Welcome to the All Nations Aurora podcast, where you will find family, discover purpose, and change the world. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will speak directly to your life through this message. We've been walking through a pretty cool series called Living Life. Have you all enjoyed this series? Okay. We've been walking through the book of Galatians for uh, five weeks, and this is the sixth week, and this is the conclusion of this uh, very, very powerful series. And and we started this um, series taking a look at the fact that God sent his son to make us free. God sent his son to pay a price for a bill that you and I could not pay for. And because he sent his son to make us free, because he sent his son to pay the bill, his goal for you is to live in freedom. He didn't die for you to find a new type of bondage. He didn't die so that you could go from one jail cell to another one. He died so that you could live a life free of shackles, free of burdens. He wanted you to be free. And what we're going to find out today is that the purpose of his freedom is because he wants to then use us to make other people free. Freedom is the goal. And what happened in the church of Galatia was they heard the good news of the gospel. The apostle Paul came and taught them well. But then when he left, some other Christians came from the Jerusalem church and tried to distort the pureness of the gospel and tried to convince these Galatians that in order to be a true believer of Jesus, you do have to believe in him, but you also have a bunch of rules and regulations that you need to add on to the gospel as well. And so once Paul found that out, he wrote this letter to them because he wanted them to be free. And as we read this, we find out that's the goal for us too. Now, the big ticket item that was going on in the church of Galatia was that these Jewish believers were trying to convince these Galatian believers that you need to be circumcised in order to be a part of God's kingdom. They were essentially trying to make these non-Jewish people Jewish. They were trying to get them to follow Jewish rituals and routines in order, to, in order for them to be truly qualified to be servants of the Most High God. Now that sounds weird to you. You're like, come on, man, ain't nobody trying to hear that about circumcision. But for us today, although it may not be circumcision being handed your way, there are a lot of rituals and routines that are handed out in a lot of churches in order for you to quote unquote qualify and get closer to God. And what we found is that that same lie was told way back in Genesis to Eve. One of the things that the enemy deceived Eve with was the thought that if she does this act of eating from the the tree of knowledge and good and evil, that that would actually make her closer to God. So it wasn't Eve saying, I want to be God. In her mind, if I do this, I will be closer to God. The problem is the thing that she was about to do was the very thing that God told her not to do. And so for us, we have to be careful. We're trying to do things to get closer to God that God ain't told us to do. The pureness of the gospel is that we were about to die in our sins. And God sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to set us what? Free. Free. And so we're going to continue on in the conclusion of this um, series by looking at chapter 6. We are going to be reading Galatians chapter 6, and we're just going to read a couple of verses, verses 2 and 3. So we're going to be in Galatians 6 chapter, and we're going to start at the second verse. I'm using the NLT version, um, and it reads like this. Share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. Verse 3. If you think you are too important to help someone, here it is. You're only fooling yourself. This last part. Clutch your your pearls moment. You are not that important. (coughs) 
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that your word is here, your presence is here, and you are here to help us become more like you in the ways and in the methodologies that we are to use to come closer to you. We ask that you come in and take control. Speak to our hearts that we may forever be changed. In Jesus' name, amen. The name of today's message is Don't Waste Your Life. Don't waste your life. Um, I, as I thought through the, this message, uh, um, a story came to my mind of um, I was probably 24, 25 years old, and one of my soldiers had came to me with this just exuberant excitement in his face before he even said anything to me. He was like, Sarge, guess what? I'm having a boy. I was like, oh, that's what's up. His name was Specialist Haller. And he and his wife had two daughters, and um, she was now pregnant with baby number three. And that day he got a letter. Some of y'all don't even know what letters are. Do y'all know what a letter is? <laughs> his wife had written him a letter because we were overseas in Iraq and let him know that you're having your boy. And he was thrilled. I mean, he was just jump bouncing up and down and full of excitement. And we all were excited for him because he was like, had his fingers crossed, like, man, I hope it's a boy this time. I love my girls, but man, I want a boy. <laughs> and he got his boy. And then later that day, he was killed. And as I saw, um, as I saw that life come to an end, I really, I really wrestled with it. Like, how could it be this exuberant joy and this seemingly answered prayer, and then the life was gone. And so I wrestled with the tension of that because I made it back home. He didn't. Right before we left, one of the last things his wife said to me was, make sure my husband comes home. I said, yes, ma'am, will do. And so I, I, I really struggled for several years after that with just that one story. There were plenty more that went on a plane with me to Iraq that didn't come back. And it made me wonder, it made me posture my life in such a way that a lot of things that bother other people don't bother me. And so sometimes my wife makes a joke, a joke like, man, you, you don't be... You'll be worried about nothing. Because my wife worries about everything. We need that. We're balanced. I worry about nothing. She worries about everything. So it works its way out. It works its way out. But one thing about life, um, it's not that I'm not worried about anything. It's that I've seen some things that make this thing look really small. Right? When you are quote unquote battle tested, Everything doesn't weigh you down. Everything doesn't bring you down. But one of the things that I, I exited as I, as I went through counseling and therapy, because I believe in Jesus and therapy, to get through that season of life, one of the things that happened to me was that I appreciated the life that I have. Because I had some close calls out there myself. And I lost some friends out there. And the fact that I'm still here means that there's something for me to do. And the fact that you're still here means that there's something for you to do as well. And so it's important that since we have this life, that we don't waste it. It's important that, as the song said, it's his breath in our lungs, and because we have his breath in our lungs, every chance we get to pour out our praise, we should do that because we believe the fact that we don't have to be here today. If you come into the house of God and, and the worship is going forth and you feel no need to connect, you feel no need to pour out your praise, then maybe you need to take an introspective look on the inside as to what's happening. Maybe your external circumstances aren't perfect, but here's a fun fact, it could be worse. Although life is imperfect, our Savior is perfect. Although our life is full of drama, our life is full of pain, we have a savior that's a healer. 
We have a Holy Spirit that's a comforter. And because when Jesus ascended, he said that I, I'm going to send you another one. He didn't leave us alone to walk through this life and figure everything out through our own strength and willpower. He sent his very spirit to guide us and to lead us. The problem is, how often are we tapping into that help? How often are we seeking the Holy Spirit to help us to walk in the freedom that was granted to us on Calvary's cross? The true essence of living life and the way that God wants us to live it is that we have to live this life in such a way that our life is not wasted. You have breath in your lungs because you have a purpose in your life. You have breath in your lungs because your race has not yet been completed. You have breath in your lungs because there is a destiny awaiting you to arrive that you haven't gotten to just yet. And all these facts should play a part in how you wake up and live each and every day that you have. All 1,440 minutes, 24 hours should have purpose. You shouldn't be walking around like a zombie with no aim, with no goals, with no direction. How can that be if you have the very spirit of God living inside of you? And so God's mission for us is to make sure that we live life to the fullest and that we don't waste not one more second. He's looking for us to appreciate this life. He's looking for us to be grateful for this imperfect life that we're living in right now. Some of you all have some prayers before God that haven't manifested yet. Some of you all are dealing with problems at work or problems in your body or problems in your family, but you're here. You're here. And that in and of itself is a gift, and that in and of itself is enough to say, thank you, Jesus. Things aren't smooth. Things aren't perfect. But I'm here. I'm still here. By definition, the word waste means to use or expend carelessly, extravagantly, or with no purpose. If we, if, if we, really, if we really look back over these last seven days, <coughs> what kind of grade will we give ourselves on how, we, how we've lived this life? What type of intention has gone into becoming more like the man or, or the woman that God created us to be? How much of, of this week did, did we operate in the gifts that God has given us? How much time did we spend this week serving the needs of someone else versus seeking someone else to meet our needs? When we take a hard look at ourselves in the mirror, we may find some things that we don't like. We may find that, yeah, I've actually been wasting my life. Because us living a life in any form or fashion, opposite of what God has given us to do, is a waste. It may look good to the world. It may look productive to your boss. But to God, he's saying, what a waste. What a waste of my son's blood. What a waste of my son's life. All they're doing is just meeting their needs. All they're doing is just sending up prayer requests that point back to them. All they're doing is moving from one day to the next without giving me glory. What a waste. And so we're going to look through three areas here. We're going to look through the mentality checks that we need to have in order to avoid wasted life and then we're going to look at the motivations that we need to have in order to avoid living a wasted life. And then we're going to conclude with how do we live a life that's not 
wasted. And so the first thing we need to do is, is the first mental check, and it's this. We need to understand that we don't define our existence. We don't define our existence. Our culture wants us, instructs us, encourages us to create our own life, to create our own world. If you think hard enough, it will quote, and they use Bible words, they will manifest, right? If you think the right thoughts, <coughs> you'll create your own world. Now in July, we are gonna do a, a series called Change Your World, but we're gonna use the Bible. <coughs> but what the world wants us to do is to use our own strength to create our world. Wants us to use our own brain to create our own world. And what happens is we create a prison. We create a life that's wasted because we're running a race that God didn't give us. And we wonder why, with all the accolades and accomplishments, all the goals checked off our little list, we still feel unfulfilled. Because we've been running in the wrong lane this whole time. No matter how much energy we've been expending, how much sweat has come down from our brow, waste. We have wasted our days. Because here's what we have to understand. A lot of us have questions about, who am I? What am I supposed to do? Lord, what, what am I supposed to be here for? Only when you know the maker, only when you're in right relationship with him, does he reveal what you were made for? If you go to get your definition of who you are and who you're supposed to be from any other source than the man that made you, you're wasting your life. When was the last time that you said, Lord, who have you made me to be? I know what... The preacher said that you, I know what your professor said. <coughs> I know what your family said. But is that, is that where we should get our definition of who we are? Is that where we should find out the lanes that we're supposed to run? Is that where we find out how to live a life that's pleasing to God? My friends, I tell you that the answer is no. We don't, divine, we don't define our existence, he does. And when we ask him, he answers. When we ask him, he reveals. When we ask him, he shows us who we are. Number two, YOLO. Let me help my other old, upper generations. YOLO is the term that stands for you only live once. And so, because we only live once, mentally we have to understand that we don't want to waste this one life that we have. <coughs> but there, there, there's a, a cultural philosophy about YOLO that says you only live once, so just live it up, do your thing, do whatever you want to do because you only got one shot. But the Christian understands that you have a couple options here. You can live once and die twice. Or you can die once and live twice. We can live in this earth and we can live in the life to come. When we have the right perspective of YOLO, it should shape what we do on a daily basis because everything we do as a believer has eternal implications. And so there should be nothing that we're just freestyling our way through. There should be a whole lot of intentionality behind how we live our days, behind how we uh, interact with other people behind the example that we give to the world because the world is looking at you. Yes, right. The world is judging you because you keep saying how good your God is, but your life doesn't look that great. And so as you're being judged, you need to understand that everything that I do has eternal implications, not just for myself, but also on the perspective that others will have about my God. Number three. God is most glorified in us <coughs> when we are most satisfied in him. 
How many of us are sitting in a place of satisfaction? I'm all about grind. I'm all about hustle. I'm all about getting better. But there, there should be some, some time in your day where you can just sit and just say, Lord, I'm satisfied in you. Even if this doesn't change, even if this doesn't get better, even if you don't turn this thing around, just in you, I'm satisfied. Just the fact that you're in my life brings me satisfaction. Even if I don't get the promotion, even if I don't get the spouse, even if my business fails, I, as long as I'm in you, as long as your spirit is in me, my God, I'm satisfied. When you get to a place of being satisfied in him, it becomes so much easier not to waste your life because you start to see your life is way more valuable, not because of any other thing than the fact that he's in it. My life is valuable because he's in it. My life is valuable because he died for it. That's where my satisfaction comes from. And when you're satisfied in him, something internally should change. You shouldn't come to his Bible as though you, you have to read it. You shouldn't show up to his church as though you have to attend it. You shouldn't show up in prayer as though you have to do it. You should show up within your heart that I get to. When you're really satisfied in him, you, you get to read his Bible. You get to have him unpack it for you. You get to come and be in this house and, and worship and praise and learn from him. You get to give, you get to serve. When you are satisfied in him, all the external difficulties of life don't carry the same weight in your life. They don't hold you down to the same degree <clears throat> when all that you need you find in him. When you make the conscious decision to say, Lord, as long as I have you, I'm going to be just fine. You'll be amazed at what happens to those things that's been troubling you in your life. You'll be, you'll, you, you'll be surprised at, at how you have a new level of strength over those demonic addictions that's been holding you down. You'll, you'll be surprised how your family changes, how your marriage improves, and how all of a sudden you... You're getting promoted and how all of a sudden you're thriving in all these areas of life because you're not looking for satisfaction in those things. You're only finding your satisfaction in him. And when you're satisfied in him, everything else starts to go up because you have tapped into the source, the proper source of your satisfaction. And so... As we move from the mentality that we need to have, now we need to speak to a little bit of, of motivation. Because living a life that's not wasted is actually more difficult than living a wasted life. Because we can all get up tomorrow morning and go right back to the same routine that we've been doing. And we can go back to just mindlessly waking up, going to work, and coming back home and eating dinner and going to sleep and doing it all over again. Uh, uh, that's easy. We've built that routine, so we know how to do that. The difficulty comes in when we start to add in pleasure in him, when we start to start our days by talking to him, when we, when we end our days uh, uh, recapping with him, when we, when we start to seek him for instruction during the day, when we, when we seek him for business ideas, and when we seek him for money management strategies, and when we seek him on how to be a good husband, and how to be a good spouse, and how to be a good single, and how to be a good mother, and how to be a good father, everything changes because we're saying, Lord, 
We don't want to waste any part of our life. So in every part of our life, I need you. We have to understand that when we live a wasted life, although it's, it's easier to do, it robs us of some things. <clears throat> it takes some things away from us. And, and the first thing a wasted life robs us of is our personhood. Our personhood. You are an individual that God has given the individual purpose to. He's uh, uh, made you in such a way that it's beautiful just to think about. And if we look at Psalms 139 and 14, it says, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. See, when we, when we just look at social media, when we just look at television shows, when we just look at movies to measure ourselves up against, we often find ourselves falling short of feeling good. But if we take a look at what God says about us, if we take a look at what his word declares about us, that's a part of feeling the satisfaction that we need when we can, like David, say, thank you for making me wonderfully complex. Wonderfully complex. The other versions say fearfully and wonderfully made. You did this. So when I look in the mirror, I should see you. I shouldn't see the latest social media influencer or the latest actress or the latest actor or the, or, or the latest popular person in our culture. I should see God because the word declares that he made us in his image and his life. So when I look in the mirror, I should find satisfaction in knowing that I'm made in his image and I'm made in his likeness. And even with my imperfect circumstances, even with my, my, my imperfections that I continually struggle with, even with, even with me being uh, uh, dealing with problems in my body, even with me dealing problems at work, I see him. I see God. And I see his hand on my life. And I see that he's created me. And as I'm going through my sanctification process, becoming more and more like him, he's still with me from the beginning of the journey to when I see him face to face. And I should find satisfaction just in knowing that, that he's with me. Not only is he with me, but he made me. Yeah, he made me. Wait a minute. He made you. He made you. So stop looking at yourself anything other than a creation of a perfect God. He made you that height. He made you that complexion. He made you that size. He gave you those skill sets. He gave you those desires. He gave you those abilities. It's all a part of his masterful workmanship. And when we live a life wasted, chasing vain glory pursuits, we get robbed of our personhood because the person that we are is a gift from him. He made you the way that you are. Appreciate who you are in him. Now we're all in the process of trying to get better and become closer to him and become more like him. We all have work to do. But we should never behold ourselves in disgust. <clears throat> we should never behold ourselves in discouragement. We should never behold ourselves and see something less than a masterful creation of God. Yes, you. Right where you sit today. You can be motivated by the fact that God is responsible for your creation. The second thing that... That, that a wasted life robs us of is potential. A wasted life robs us of our potential. In Ephesians 2 and 10, it says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Did you hear that? Not only did he create you, but he created a plan for you. And he didn't just create it. The word says he created it long ago. 
It's ancient. Your destiny is ancient. Your purpose is ancient. And when we are spending our energy chasing after a definition of ourselves that God didn't give us, we are robbing ourselves of a God-given potential because it's only when we step into the lane that he created for us that the potential to be all that he's created us to be can actually take place. If you are continuously floating through life, operating in man-made definitions of who you are, how can you be all that he created you to be? <clears throat> what you're doing is you're building a life based on a limited human being giving you a set of instructions. That's why the Bible encourages us to take every word that we get from a, a, a person and try it by the scripture. Because if anybody gives you a word that doesn't match up with scripture, then that word isn't from heaven. So we believe in the prophetic, we believe in words, we believe in it all. But we also test it against the word of God because he's the ultimate source of the word of the Lord. Amen? He's the ultimate source of the definition of who we are and who we are supposed to do. There's a quote by Dr. Miles Monroe that says, the wealthiest place on the planet is just down the road. It's the cemetery. There lie buried companies that were never started, inventions that were never made, best-selling books that were never written, and masterpieces that were never painted. In the cemetery is buried the greatest treasure of untapped potential. Our graveyards are full of greatness. That's a wasted life. A life that comes to an end without doing the things that God sent you here to do. A lot of you are in a place of, I'll get to it. A lot of you have, have, are in a place of, it's on my list, my to-do list. <coughs> but you're taking no steps in that direction. You just keep pushing the line back further and further and further. And the real tragedy is God already gave you instruction that you're currently ignoring. But you want a new word when God already gave you one. So his question to you is, what about that? It's important that whenever the Lord gives us instruction that we steward it. Now, sometimes those things don't manifest to years and years and years later, but there should be an effort on your part to walk in the fullness of what God has instructed you to do. What happens is you talk yourself out of it because you begin to look at yourself as the source of the accomplishment. How am I going to write that book? I've never taken a book writing class. How am I going to start this business? I don't know anything about starting a business. The problem is you're looking at you instead of looking at the one who gave you the instruction. There's no time in your Bible where God commanded somebody to do something and he wasn't there in the process. Even when it doesn't make sense, he's waiting for you to take a step so that he can step with you. But as long as you sit still and do nothing, nothing's going to show up in your life either. Because God didn't make robots. He made sons and daughters. And so when he told Abraham, go into this place, abandon your family, Abraham had to make a choice. He didn't have an instruction about the destination. He didn't have a destruction about what the outcome would be. All he had was a word from the Lord to say, go. And it wasn't until, be, if you read the story, he went, but he went not in the way that God told him to go. He brought some family with him. And guess what? Nothing happened. It went to all them people died. All them family members that he drug out here into the promise that God gave him that he actually walked into it. So be careful to hear the instructions and the specificities inside of it. If he say abandon, you better abandon. If he say go, you better go. If he say build, you better build. Because it's only in your obedience that you find the totality of your potential. But when you live a wasted life, when you just go through the flow with no consideration of the Holy Spirit, no consultation with God, you end up at the finish line 
with a wasted life. And the third thing that a wasted life robs us of is, is power. It robs us of our, our power. Second Thessalonians 1 and 11 says, may he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. How many times have you been right there in a moment where you could have changed somebody's life that you chickened out? How many times did the, Lord, did the Lord put on your heart to share the gospel with somebody and you chickened out? How many times did the word, uh, did, did, did God tell you, hey, lay hands on such and such <clears throat> and, and help them believe by faith for a miracle and you chickened out? How many times did the Lord give you a word that you were too scared to say because you, what if I'm wrong? What if that's just me talking? What you have to stop doing is putting yourself in God's seat. Every time you do that, you're saying, God, I'm smarter than you. God, I know what's better. I know you said to do this, but it makes more sense for me to do it this way. Because I'm smarter than the God of the universe. I graduated summa cum laude. I was employee of the month. I've been ordained the prophet, pastor, apostle, all at the same time. Clearly, I know what I'm doing. But thank you for your, thank you for your advice, Lord. But I, I got it from here. That's literally what you're doing. You call it fear. You call it a lack of confidence. But what God is saying is, you think you're better than me. You think you know what you're doing better than I do. That's why you haven't done anything with that word that God gave you. Because you think your idea is better. And let me tell you, that's the recipe for a wasted life. Some of you are sitting on ideas that he gave you five, ten years ago. And you're still saying, I'm just waiting on. Yeah, I was going to do that, but. How are you going to explain that to him? Remember, we read that he's responsible for making us. And then we read again that he's responsible for the plan that he created for us. But he gives us the plan. He gives us the life, and we're to steward it. He's not going to make a darn thing happen that you aren't connecting your faith to. I'll read that scripture again, because you might have missed it. May he give you the power to accomplish all the good things. Here it is. Your faith prompts you to do. He's not going to do it for you. He gave you the life, he gave you the plan, and he gave you the faith. The rest is on you. Whether it will come to pass or not. What are you going to tell your kids? When the Lord gives them something. Do you have any example to share with them of how when the Lord gave you something and you were obedient, this is what happened. So you should do that too. No, you're going to be like, you know what, you know, um, you know, have you considered all your options, son? Have you weighed the pros and the cons? Because that's the, that's the intelligent thing to do. We got to measure the risk, determine our risk tolerance, and then make our moves based on whether or not we're able to tolerate the risk that's involved with the God-given plan that he gave us. That's why those books are sitting on your hard drive. That's why those business plans haven't been written. That's why you keep pursuing stuckness in your nine to five because you're too scared to try anything else. You enjoy being stuck. You enjoy average. Average feels good because I used to be below average. So average feels great. The problem is you don't serve an average God. 
Average was just a stop on the journey. The problem is you stopped. And he's still journeying, waiting for you to catch up. You got so comfortable because you got so good at being average that you thought that that was all God had for you. Everybody's telling you how wonderfully average you are. And you hang that certificate on your wall because you like being average. You have found comfort in your average life. You even put the average accolades on your resume. And instead of, instead of pursuing something greater, you pursue something else that's average. And you tell, look, look at what I did over here with my average self. I can come be average over here for you too. Because everything you're doing outside of what God told you to do, it's just average. He'll never call you to do something that doesn't require you to need him. Every time he puts that seed in you and you, and you feel that, whoa, 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 that's a good sign. Because he's always going to leave you in a place of dependency on him. It's, it's called total depravity. Everything I need, everything I will need, everything that I'm trying to do, I am totally dependent on the Lord. And so it robs us of our personhood. It robs us of our potential. It robs us of our power, and if we look at today's text in, in Galatians 6 and 2, it says share each other's burdens and in this way, obey the law of Christ. So when we have the right mentality about this life that we're living, when, when we have the right motivation about this life that we're living, it, it becomes a starting line. Now, now we're ready to run this race. But when the sound goes, we got to come out the blocks. Because the only way to, run, to win the race is to run the race. So the Church of Jesus Christ is not a charitable organization or a civic club. We're not here to take donations and hang out with each other and eat hot dogs. We're not here, to, here to, to give out school supplies, and we're not here to, 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 to create events in the community. We're going to do those things. But the real true definition of what this is, our brothers and sisters knit together by the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. The reason we're here together is because we need community. If we're going to live a life that's not wasted, we need each other. Because sometimes we be tripping. Sometimes we be scared. Sometimes we fall off. And we need somebody to say, hey, get up. We need somebody to say, yes, you can. We need somebody to say, I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to believe with you. When we have a true understanding of what this is, it's not a place to come and just sing songs and look at Bible scriptures on the screen. That this is a place where we find life. It's a place that helps us to not waste our life. We approach this thing a little bit differently. <coughs> we don't just show up, say, thank you, Jesus, get back in our car. When you really appreciate what this is, that you're sitting next to your brothers and sisters and him, man, you want to be a part of this thing. You want to serve this thing. You want to be in this thing. Because you realize what this really is. This ain't no social club. This is family. And I need them, and they need me. You should be knocking down the, the, the start here table and say, yo, how can I get all the way in? I mean, I've been coming, but I ain't been in. I've been looking at this thing wrong. How can I get in? Because it gives life. God didn't create you or you or you or you or you or you to live and operate in isolation. That's a recipe for a wasted life. Galatians 6 and 3, if you think you are too important to help someone, there's, that's the problem. 
You think you're too important to help someone. You think you got too much going on to make time for somebody else. You're too spiritual to help a babe in Christ. Your calendar's too full to pick up the phone and say, how can I pray for you today? Because you think you're too important to help someone. He says, you're only fooling yourself. You are not that important. Point to yourself and say, I am not that important. I know I'm supposed to encourage you and lift you up and all that, but you need to know you ain't that important. You become important in him. You're important in that we are all here together to help each other, to lift burdens. That's an interesting word. In the Greek, that word means barrels. And the thing about a burden is this. It's heavy, but it's not just heavy. The true definition of that word means that they're carrying something heavy for a long distance. So it's one thing to carry something heavy from here to here. It's another thing to carry something heavy from here to Chicago. The pain is a little bit different when you have to take a heavy burden on a long journey. He's trying to show us that we need each other. He's trying to show us that our real power comes from serving one another, helping one another, encouraging one another. And if you feel like you're too important to do any of those things, you've missed it. Your life is being wasted. Where's my dream team at? Stand up. Stand up. Can we put our hands together for our dream team? These are ones that you see here. There's some you don't see in the, in, in the booth up there. There's some you don't see in the children's church. But they have decided, I'm in. And they have decided that I'm in and I want to, I want to carry other people's burdens. Y'all can be seen. I'm not just going to show up and leave. I want to be a part of making sure my life is not wasted. These people show up at 8.30 in the morning on Sundays. Them, their kids. My kids have to get up early on Sundays and they do have to go to school. Huh? Well, that makes sense, eh? But because we're trying to teach them that serving, serving pleases the heart of God, we wake them jokers up and say, come on. And that's being programmed in them, to serve the house of the Lord, not just to come to the house of the Lord. This is encouraging us to carry the burdens of other people. Yes, you should come and you should get prayer. (coughs) You should be uh, having hands laid on you, but at some point, at some point in the journey, in your heart should say, what can I do? What can I give? What can I offer? What can I bring to the table? All that I have, I want to bring it back to God's altar that he can make something beautiful out of it. At some point, it has to not be about you. At some point, you should be the one picking up somebody else's burden. I struggled with this for a while. Um, One of the things that that, that God has, has gifted me to do is to be an encouragement to other people. I can see things in people that they can't see in themselves. And so I, w- I would always, I, w- I would just be in conversation with somebody and God would show me something. I'd be like, la, 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 la. you should, la, la, la. no, what I see is, no, 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 you can do this. All you got to do is, and then as time would go on, I saw that they weren't really doing the stuff. They weren't really applying it. Some were, some, some made jokes about, here you go, here you go. Trying to make me do something. Come on, Mr. Greatness. And I let it get to me. I let it get to me. And I stopped. I said, that's all right. I know how to take care of my family. I'm going to just do that. We're going we gonna to build. We're going to be great. And everybody else has got to fend for themselves. I would get around people and, and the Lord would put some spirit, would be like, yo, 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 tell them, tell them. I'd be like, Mm-mm. nope, can't do it. 
it's a waste for me to keep giving out these words and, and people don't use it. As a matter of fact, they, they make jokes about it, Lord. Why, why would I keep doing it? Why would I keep setting myself up like that? I'm going to just use what you've given me and I'm just apply it to the McNeely household. The problem that I came to realize was that I was making it about me. I wasn't making it about him. I was justifying how I was going to use the gift that he gave me. I didn't give it to myself. I didn't inspire myself. I wasn't speaking on my behalf, but yet I made it all about me. I forsook my gift because of how it was affecting me. It ended up tearing me up. I had to realize that not only is it not about them, it's also not about me. Anything that the Lord mantles you with, Anything that the Lord gives you a grace for is for his glory. So I was on the path to wasting my life because I, I put my gift down. He gave me this gift. And so anytime that the Lord hands you something, you should use it. Because the moment you put it down is the moment that your life starts to become a waste. A waste. How do we walk this out? Number one, identify your area of influence. We all have spheres of influence. God has given us a platform. All platforms don't look like this. You've got a family. You've got people in your life that you can speak into. You have people in your life whose burdens you can pick up. Number two is place. A place can be where you work, it can be your neighborhood, it can be your local church, but God wants you to use your influence in the places that he's put you in. Number three, your passions. You have these passions inside you, these strengths, these abilities inside you. And if you pay close enough attention, you'll see that that God put those in you again for his glory. He wants those areas to bring him glory. Number two, the next step is to meet them in their place of need. Guys, our life, that, that breath that's in our life, we're supposed to use it in service to other people. He didn't save us to look down on people. He didn't save us to judge people. He saved us to carry other people's burdens. And the only way that we can carry somebody else's burden is to meet them where they're at and walk with them from there. You're not supposed to stand over here and judge them and say, come on, just carry that burden over here to me and then, and then I'll get involved. You're supposed to go Meet them where they are. Meet them where they are. Because you forgot that that's what the Lord did for you. He met you right where you were. And he wants that in return. Number three, probably the most important. Point them to Jesus and his church. Fatal mistake is to carry somebody else's burdens to bring glory to you. Look at how much I donated. Look how much community service I've done. Look at how many departments I'm on at my church. We don't carry burdens to point people to us. We carry burdens to free people up so that they can see Christ in a brand new way. The goal, the point of it all, is to point people to him. 
and his church. We have to get back to the place that we see the value in the local church. Because in his word, he, he calls this his bride. That means he really values the church. So when you see people devaluing the church, something in you should be like, no, that's the bride of Christ. So point people to the cross, point people to the church. When you do that, when you do that, when you have the right mentality, and you realize that maybe some things that you're doing might be leading you to a wasted life and you decide to change and shift and think differently. And when you, and when you have the right motivation and, and you don't let a wasted life rob you of your personhood and when you don't let uh, a wasted life rob you of your potential and when you don't let a wasted life rob you of your power and you decide I'm going to live a life in full your life changes forever. Here's the last key to it all. You have to choose freedom every day. Every day. You have to choose, I'm gonna walk this life out every single day. Every head bowed. I believe that um, some people in here need to make some decisions. Some people in here need to make some choices. Some people have been living a life on a path of wasting that life. I believe there's even some decisions that need to be made in regards to surrendering your life to the Lord. <coughs> if that's you, if you know, nobody's looking, if you know that you need to give your life to him for the first time, or you need to come back to him, can you, can you just slip that hand in the air? You're just showing the Lord that you're testifying. Nobody's looking. I see you. You're, you're declaring, I see you. You're declaring that I need, I see you. I, I see you, I need you, Lord. I need you. You can put your hands down. Pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for my life, a life that you created in your workmanship and that you've made me a masterpiece. But in this moment, I need to surrender my life to you in full. I believe that you're the son of God. I believe that you lived a perfect life I believe that you died, and I believe that you rose again just for me. Lord, come into my life, take full control, that I may live a life in full that's pleasing to you. Now, Father, as we seal this message, I ask that every word that was spoken take root in the hearts of your people, that the message that you wanted to convey will hit home and that as a result of it hitting home, that lives will change. And that as a result of these people here, surrendered to you, having a changed life, that every purpose, every plan, every destiny that you created for each and every one will not only come to pass, but they will operate in the fullness thereof. Father, help us to trust you, surrender to you, every area of our life. Help us to lean not to our own understanding, but in all our ways to acknowledge you. And from this moment forward, we will not waste not another second of the life that you've given us. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Can we put our hands together for the four people that gave their life to the Lord? That's major. That's major. That's major. That's major. So, I think this is a good place to just kind of take in the fact that we get to leave here with another chance. 
another chance to live our life in full. We get another chance to stop wasting any more time. Waste no more time. Do what he's told you to do. Do what he's told you to do, how he told you to do it. And do it, do it now. Waste no more of your life. We want to invite you. I want to open up the doors of the church. If you've been visiting or it's your first time and you haven't made the commitment to say, I want to plug all the way in to all nations of roar. This is the church that God told me to be a part of. Um, there are several ways that you can join. Um, you can go out to the table that says new here, start here. They can fill out a connection card. Um, you can go to allnationsaurora.com forward slash join. Either way, we would love to be your church. My wife and I would love to be your pastor. We are an imperfect church, but I think we're the perfect church for you. And everything that God is calling us to do, you have a part to play. And we want you to know that you are welcome here. You are welcome here. Amen? All right, can we stand? And we are going to dismiss. Turn to your neighbor real quick and say, neighbor, don't waste your life. Turn to your other neighbor, the one that you ignored, and say, hey, other neighbor, make sure that you don't waste your life. So Father, we just thank you. We seal this message under the blood of your son, Jesus. Help us to walk out what we learned today. Help us to live like you. Help us to love like you. Help us to be like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more ways to stay connected, visit us at allnationsaurora.com. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your family and friends. Thanks for listening. Now go out and change the world.